Uh, so this morning, uh, if I could encourage you to do something before you get right into the message. If you have a paper Bible, grab a paper Bible because there's going to be something that we do towards the end where I think you're going to want a paper Bible instead of a digital Bible. Just go ahead and grab one. If you want to pause the video for a second to go find one or grab one from a drawer as I begin to speak, whatever that is. Um, but I think you're going to want a paper Bible to just to do this little exercise that we have at the end. So go ahead and find that. So when I was about 10 years old, and I think I was 10, I could have been 11, I could have been 12, but when I was about 10, 12 years old, um, I was home by myself and I wanted to make spaghetti for dinner. And, and I knew how to make spaghetti. You boil the water, <clears throat> you put the spaghetti in the, in the boiling water, you wait 10, 12 minutes, and then you have spaghetti, you pour the sauce on, which you heat up in the microwave or on a pot. <clears throat> and so I wanted to make spaghetti. But I was also a bit impatient, and I didn't want to wait like the 20 minutes that it takes to prepare spaghetti. So I had this brilliant idea, or so I thought. Um, we had just got a new microwave at our house. And microwaves actually this time were kind of new and novel. <clears throat> and so we got a microwave, and so I'm like, okay, well, what I'll do is I will take a bowl. So I took a porcelain bowl, and I poured water in it from the sink. And then I just put the spaghetti in the bowl, and I stuck the spaghetti in the water, in the bowl, in the microwave, and I hit like, I don't know, three minutes or five minutes or something like that. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to have spaghetti in five minutes. I don't have to wait for 20 minutes. And I, and I take it out, and the water in there was sort of lukewarm at best, and the spaghetti was just this mush, like this mushed up piece of spaghetti, and it was not cooked like spaghetti should be. And I actually kind of left the ends sticking out of the bowl. And so those were totally crispy. The middle was mush. It was unedible, absolutely disgusting. And so I, I share that with you because like my goal as a 10, 11, 12 year old boy, however old I was, my goal of having spaghetti and even having spaghetti a little bit faster was not a bad goal. The problem was that I went about it in the wrong way. And so uh, I wanted to like just get it too quickly. And, and here's why I share that is that we, as we've been looking over the last 12 weeks, we're in this series of this, this fall campaign of persevering. And I think we want a persevering faith. And that's a good thing. But the problem is that we sometimes can try and get a microwave version of a persevering faith. You see, in order to have a persevering faith, it takes a while. It doesn't take just, it's like it doesn't happen in five minutes. We can't microwave our faith and now we have persevering faith. It, it, it doesn't even happen like over a 30-minute sermon. And I would say to an extent, does it really even happen or can it happen over a 12-week fall push campaign focus? You see, for the last 12 weeks, we've been looking at persevering. And we spent seven weeks or so in the book of 1 Peter, and we spent the last few weeks in Hebrews chapter 11 looking at people who have a persevering faith. And over the course of time, we've learned some things about persevering. But I want you to think back. We started this on September the 12th. And so on September the 12th, um, there was a national pandemic going on. Uh, we didn't know when our kids would actually be going to school again. 
the country was divided over politics, and everything was just more difficult from marriage to finances to parenting to, to just, everything was more difficult because of COVID going on. But now it's 12 weeks later and there's a national pandemic going on. We're still not entirely sure if our kids are going to go to school this week or next week or the week after. Our country is still pretty divided over politics and life is still hard because of the pandemic that is going on. The circumstances 12 weeks ago to today haven't really changed, have they? But the question is, have we changed? And I think for most of us, we've probably changed. If you've been tracking with this Persevere, this Persevere campaign and doing some of the things that has been a part of it in the readings and so forth, the chances are is that you've changed. But here's what I also know, at least I know this from looking in the mirror, is that we haven't arrived. We have not arrived at a fully persevering faith. And so what I want us to do this morning is as we wrap up this whole persevere fall push, as I want to talk about how do we have this persevering faith for the long haul? It starts now, but we never fully arrive. But how do we keep going in that direction? I want to give you kind of a, a, um, an idea that I hope that you will remember today and into the future. And it's, and it's kind of what is a persevering faith? And I'm going to define it this way. A persevering faith is a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction. But again, the problem is that we want it now. I want a persevering faith right now. But to have that, it takes a long obedience in the same direction. And so as we wrap up heroes of Hebrews 11, we're going to look at Abraham. And Abraham was a man who really had a long obedience in the same direction. We're going to look at his story. And so his, um, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it says this about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now in this, in the book of Hebrews, there's another, I don't know, 13 or so verses that talk about Abraham, um, but that actually points us back to the book of Genesis. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go back to the book of Genesis and we're gonna highlight a few different things in Abraham's life. They're gonna help us to have a long obedience in the same direction, to help us have a persevering faith like Abraham had. We're gonna look at three different things, three different truths. And so here's the first one, is Abraham was patient. Abraham was patient. So if we look in Genesis chapter 12, verse uh, 1, and 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And, and so what God says to Abraham, he's living in a place called Ur. And he says, I want you to go to the place that I'm going to show you. So he says, I want you to go from Ur to a place called Haran. And that's kind of a north journey. It goes north and a little bit west. Go to Haran. And then he's in Haran a little bit. 
And then God says, now I want you to go to a place called Shechem. And Shechem is in what we would know as modern day Israel. Ur was in what we would know as modern day Iraq. But even what's interesting in this is God sends him in a circuitous route. He sends him up north to Haran and then back down south to Shechem instead of taking the hypotenuse and cutting straight across. And, you know, in that, I even think that God was teaching Abraham some patience in that because, you know, we always want the shortcut. We always want to go right from here to there. But sometimes God will take us in a circuitous route. And that's what God was doing with Abraham because straight across probably would have been deadly. If he'd say go directly from Ur to Shechem, it was across the desert. His family may not have made it. He and his wife, Sarah, and their household may not have made it. Again, God is teaching him patience. But in chapter 12, he says, I will make you a great nation. But at this point, he has a wife, Sarah, um, he has servants and so forth that he brings with him, but he doesn't have any children. And then we fast forward three chapters later, which is 15 years later. In chapter 15, it says this. This is verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And so at this point, Abraham is 90 years old. It's been 15 years since God told him this. And then he's got to wait another 15 years and now he's 90. But still no children. God has this promise. You're going to be the father of many nations, blessed through you, your offspring, your heirs. But there's nothing. There's nothing yet. No children of his own with Sarah. And then we go two more chapters, and it's nine years later, Genesis 17, 6. He says to him again, God says to Abraham again, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. But yet still, he doesn't have a child. And it would be a full year or more later after this until he actually has Isaac, his son. Again, what I want us to see in this is that Abraham was learning patience. And if we're going to have a long obedience in the same direction, if we're going to have a persevering faith, it's going to mean that we are going to learn patience along the way. You know, I think about patience. I can't help when I think about impatience, I guess. I can't help think about kids, you know, and you know, think about if, if you have kids and you can probably picture this if you don't, but you're, you live in Charleston, you say, hey, we're going to go to Huntington. And so you get in the car and as soon as you get in the car, the, the kid's like, how long is it going to be? And he's like, it's, it's about an hour. I'm like, oh, you know, the, the kids go, oh, that sound, right? And then they, and this is what kids in, in my life do. They go, oh, why does Huntington have to be so far from Charleston? Why does it have to be so far? And you're like, I don't know. It just is. Well, I don't like it. And then they're like, how far now? And you're like, um, about 58 minutes and 20 seconds. And like, oh, you know, but eventually you'll learn to drive from Charleston to Huntington with a little bit of patience and you're not frustrated the whole way. And the same is true for us, that a persevering faith is a long obedience in the same direction. And we're going to learn patience as we go along and for us to recognize that. Here's the second truth that we see in Abraham's life about 
um, persevering faith and a long obedience in the same direction, it's this. Abraham was forgiven. Abraham was forgiven. If we're going to have a persevering faith, we need to understand that a persevering faith is not a perfect faith. That we're going to stumble and fall along the way. And we're going to need to understand God's forgiveness along the way as well. So let me take you to a couple of events where Abraham was learning forgiveness. So in, this is in chapter 12. And uh, there, Abraham has just arrived in, um, in Israel, in Shechem. And then shortly after this, there's um, a famine. And so he heads down to Egypt. And it says this. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful woman in appearance. That's a good thing to say. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but that you, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister, that it may go with, well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. So he says, when you get there, let's tell them that you're my sister and not my wife. And then they won't kill me. And then they'll kind of give you a good life and they'll give me a good life. Well, Abraham gets a good life. He gets oxen and sheep and donkeys and camels. But Sarah gets put into Pharaoh's harem. And then eventually things come out and they figure out that Abraham and Sarah are married and they're sent on their way and they head back to Israel. And I tell you, I can't help but think how quiet of a journey that was um, and how mad Sarah was at Abraham uh, for what he had pulled in, in Egypt. Like, there was a time, this is sort of an aside, but there was a time when Stacy and I, we were um, driving from Cleveland to Cincinnati and we got from Cleveland all the way to Columbus before we spoke a word to each other. We were both so mad at each other. It was just like, deathly silent in the car. And I can imagine that that's what it was like for Abraham and Sarah, you know, and they're walking and Abraham is like, Sarah, she's like, I'm not ready yet. Just they walk another day or two. Hey, Sarah, you know, and she won't have it. You would think, you would think that Abraham would learn his lesson, but Abraham does not learn his lesson. This is Genesis chapter 20. It says this. This is going to pick up in the end of verse 1. It says, and he, that's Abraham, sojourned. So he took a trip in Gerar. And then it says, and Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And then it says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream and they worked it out. Or God kind of intervened again. But he does the same thing. You know, it's almost like you want to shake him and go, like, at least commit some new sins. At least do some new things and not the same ones. But he does the same one over and over. You know, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get, my, I get frustrated with my own life. It's like, I do the same thing over and over. Why can't I figure this out? But again, Abraham was forgiven. You know, there's another major sin that Abraham commits and it has to do with Sarah. And we won't read the whole thing, um, but, but it's basically, it's in Genesis chapter 16, if you want to read it, 
where Abraham is becoming very impatient. I want a child with Sarah. I want a child with Sarah. And so then Sarah says, well, why don't you take my servant Hagar and you can sleep with Hagar and you can have a child with her. And so Abraham goes, okay, I'll do that. Big mistake. Leads to all kinds of things, all kinds of problems. But he does that. Again, he sinned. And there's a, there's a verse in here. I want to read just one half of a verse. And it says this. It says, Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. And what's interesting is you read through the book of Genesis, there's a constant kind of phraseology. And it says, Abram or Abraham listened to God. Noah listened to God. And all these characters, Joseph listened to God. Isaac listened to God. And, and we see that. And we see the same phrase here, except it says, Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Instead of listen to the voice of God. And that's what was going on here. Abraham listened to the voice of God. Abraham listened to the voice of God. Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Oh, and, and it stands out to us because he listened to the wrong voice. And I think that's true in our lives too, that oftentimes when we sin, we're listening to the wrong voice. And I would even challenge you with the question, what's the voice or who is the voice that you listen to when you go off track and when you sin. Remember that God had big plans for Abraham, but yet he sinned. Genesis 12, verse 3, it says, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's God's plan for Abraham. But the beautiful thing about this is that God didn't give up on Abraham. He didn't say, you know what? You blew it too many times. You blew it too many times with this way or that way or different things. He says, I still am with you. I'm still going to fulfill these promises in you. And by the same token, if you think about it, Abraham didn't give up on himself. In other words, what I mean is sometimes when we sin, we go, I'm no longer worthy. I'm so ashamed. I've got such issues I can't do this anymore. And we give up. And Abraham didn't give up because he was on this long obedience in the same direction. He was on this path of a persevering faith. I came across this saying this week. Uh, I, I wish that this was original with me, um, but I totally ripped this off. But the, the person was saying that God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. Don't you love that? That we are crooked sticks but God can still draw straight lines with crooked sticks. But that can only happen when we understand that we are forgiven. You are forgiven if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. In the book of Romans, it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you if you are in Christ Jesus. You are a crooked stick, but God can still work in you and through you. Here's the final truth about Abraham that we see of someone who has a persevering faith, a long obedience in the same direction, is Abraham sacrificed what was most important to him. Now, you, you very well may know this story, or maybe you don't, but um, after Abraham and Sarah have a child, they have a child named Isaac. And then Isaac gets to be 
uh, an older boy, probably 13, maybe 15 years old or so. And um, God says, I want you to take Isaac and go to this place and I want you to sacrifice him. And so Abraham gets up the next morning, early the next morning, and goes off for this three-day journey. They reach the place. He gets the wood. He ties his son down. He's about to slay his own son for the sacrifice. And God says, hold on, hold on. And then a ram appears in the thicket. And God says, I want you to sacrifice the ram instead of your son. And so here's what it says. Here's God's words to Abraham as a part of this. Verse, this is Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withhold, withheld your son, your only son from me. He says, now I know, I know that you fear God. I am the most important thing to you. Not your son, not your promise, not this, that I am most important to you. You see, Abraham was willing to sacrifice what was important to him. We might even say what was most important to him. He was willing to sacrifice that for his love for God, his obedience, his desire to do what God wanted him to do. I love that story because it's so inspirational about sacrificing big for what God wants. But also as I look at the story, I think there can be a danger of missing what is that God wants for us. Because here's the thing, I think sometimes we go through life and, and we are looking for the big sacrifice. Like when God asked me to do this big thing, then I'm going to do it. But the problem with that mentality or that outlook is, is when we do that, sometimes we can miss the ordinary, everyday things that God wants us to sacrifice. One of the things that I do when I do premarital counseling is I take people through uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And there's a verse in there that I'll talk through with the couple that says, uh, it says, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church when he gave himself up for her. And so I'll ask the husbands, I'll say, what does it mean for you to give yourself up for your wife like Christ gave himself up? And, and sometimes, this happened a few times, I'll have a real macho guy that will say, I would take a bullet for my wife. You know, and to which my response is always, I'm glad that you would take a bullet for your wife, but you know what I think she'd really like? is for you to take out the trash. Because you, you can take a bullet for your wife once in a lifetime, probably. But probably not even once in a lifetime. But you know what you can do? Is you can take out the trash for your wife every single day. And you see, when it comes to sacrificing what's important for God, I want to challenge you to do that every single day. That's what a long obedience in the same direction is. That's what a persevering faith is. It's every day we make a sacrifice for God. Every day we make a sacrifice of putting somebody else as more important than ourselves. It could be sacrificing our time. It could be sacrificing our money. It could be sacrificing our desires. It could be sacrificing our rights. It could be sacrificing our preferences or what we want to do. But that's what a long obedience in the same direction is. 
It's sacrificing every single day. Not necessarily a huge thing, but sometimes huge things come up. But it's sacrificing every single day what's important to us. Sacrificing that, saying, I'm going to do what God wants me to do instead of what I want to do. So we've spent the last 12 weeks talking about persevering, running with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, finishing today with this long obedience in the same direction. And I want us to go back to where we start. I want us to go to Ephesians. And this is where I want you to pull out your, not Ephesians, Hebrews, sorry. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Take out your paper Bible. And I want you to look in what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 41. Look in Hebrews 11, 41. What does it say? Well, if you're looking there, you recognize that there is no Hebrews 11, 41. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write in your Bible a version of Hebrews eleven forty one. You see, throughout this whole chapter, it said, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, David, by faith, Samuel. And so I want you to write a little 41, and then I want you to write by faith, and then put your name there. By faith, Matt. By faith, Stacy. By faith, Tristan. By faith, Lisa. By faith, Steve. Whatever your name is, write that in there. By faith, and then write a line after that. Because God is going to do some big things in your life. And every time you come to Hebrews chapter 11, when you flip to there and you see your own handwriting, you say, what is that? I want to be a reminder that God is going to do great stuff in you. And you may even want to write in that line today, by faith, Matt will live a persevering life. By faith, Jason will have a long obedience in the same direction. If you want to write that in there as a reminder of this sermon to do that. Because that's the prayer that I have for myself and my family and for our church family, that we would live a persevering faith and that we would have a long obedience in the same direction. Because when we do that, we will be changed and our community will be changed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just for the richness of Abraham's life and then what we can learn from it. God, I pray that you would help every one of us to have a persevering faith. Help everyone else to live a long obedience in the same direction. Lord, we know it is not going to be a perfect obedience, but we pray, God, that it would be a long obedience in the same direction, honoring you in all that we do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.